Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. In fact, when voters did have a choice, 
uh, have a chance to choose their future directly through ballot measures, uh, the decisions were unmistakable. Minimum wage increases were overwhelmingly approved. None of them lost yesterday. The same is true for paid sick leave and other parts of the raising wages agenda. Now, I was out there all fall. I was almost in almost every contested state, and I spoke to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of workers, uh, and their desire for bold, comprehensive, and lasting economic change is the most real thing uh, that I've heard. Uh, going forward, it's pretty simple. Politicians got to be uh, with working people rather than asking them uh, to be with politicians. Uh, this poll that you'll see is really an agenda. Uh, it's a roadmap for anybody to follow. Uh, and that's where we're going to be uh, in the upcoming months. This election actually erases all the ambiguities, all the maybes and the sort ofs and all the tinkering around. We intend to define the terms of the debate very clearly in the months ahead and use the words of voters to do it with. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with him. I say, yeah, yeah, great, Mr. Trunka. But, you know, you lost, you know. The ballot initiative is Yeah, I mean, the ballot you won, but you lost the damn election. You know, that's very you know, disappointing. I mean, the defining narrative of this election was confirmation beyond a shadow of a doubt that Americans are desperate for a new economic life. I think that's true. They were really disappointed in what yeah. happened in Congress. But after a disappointing election night, Trump held a press conference and discussed the election and released the results of a poll conducted by Hart Association associates that looked at the story behind the headlines. And he said voters made it clear that they want an economy that works for everyone. Well, here I can specifically tell you what well, happened. Voters approved increases. I was going to continue this thing. But yeah, but I, but I have it right here that says what happened. Voters approved increases to the minimum wage in Alaska, Arkansas, Illinois, Nebraska, South Dakota, as well as Oakland and San Francisco, California. In victories for working women and families, voters in Oregon approved the equal pay measure, and in Massachusetts, a measure calling for up to 40 hours a year of paid sick leave for employees was approved. Paid sick leave measures in Oakland, California, Montclair, and Trenton, New Jersey also won. Methods to strengthen voting rights were approved in Missouri, Montana, and Illinois. New York voters passed Proposal 3, an education funding initiative, and in Missouri, Amendment 3, which, have, which would have weakened due process for teachers and would take control of local schools away from parents and teachers and school districts was defeated. In Anchorage, Alaska, voters defeated AO37, which would have introduced right-to-work for less measures in the city and prevented collective bargaining for city employees. California voters also struck a blow to unfair laws and passed Proposition 47, dealing with mass incarceration and unfair sentencing for nonviolent crimes. Important tax and budget ballot initiatives won approval in Alaska, Illinois, and North Dakota. Transportation funding measures were approved in Maryland, Rhode Island, and Wisconsin. Clayton County, Georgia voters approved a contract with public transportation provider MARTA. So, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about ballot initiative and what happened. Yeah. Unfortunately, we kind of lost the... Well, here in New Jersey, which I, which I thought was great, because I hate, I hate this guy, uh, Chris Christie. But yeah, Governor. Oh, New, New Jersey sure. union member, Donald Noncross, Norcross, elected to Congress. The New Jersey labor movement made history tonight by electing our union brother... Donald Norcross, a member of uh, Electrical Workers, a local 351, to the U.S. Congress. This would not only have been possible without thousands of union members to volunteer each week leading up to the election. It would not have been possible. Yeah. Well, we also congratulate Senator Cory Booker 
Biden's election to a full term in the U.S. Senate and applaud the election of 31 labor candidates, uh, bringing the total to 814 election uh, victories uh, through our labor candidate program. Well, very, 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 very good. I'm very pleased to hear that. They must have been states. Yeah, state and... and uh, state houses and state senates. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey labor movement was strong and united throughout the uh, campaign season, securing uh, important victories at every level of government. The central labor councils, building trade councils, and thousands of volunteers from affiliate unions made the state labor 2014 program one of the most successful in the country. A total of 291,725 union members' uh, homes were visited this election cycle, and labor volunteers assembled packets, staffed phone banks, and pre- uh, participated in labor walks, making these election victories possible. A strong labor movement gives unions the power to elect the right people to uh, represent us, and, and working together in solidarity, union members made the difference. We commend Roy Chow, Amy Belgard, and Janice Kovach for championing the rights of New Jersey's working families and upholding our shared middle-class values, though they did not prevail. We congratulate the returning members of Congress on their victories and look forward to seeing many new elected union members take the oath of office and continue moving our state forward, said New Jersey State AFL-CIO Secretary-Treasurer Laurel Brennan. Thank you for your tireless efforts in making these historic victories possible. So screw, screw Chris Christie, and may, may the AFL-CIO keep running. Yeah, you know take I mean? him out of the net. Yeah, I hope so. Good God. Keep up yeah. the good work. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't stand it. He was coming to Connecticut all the time. Oh, he was plaguing us every every week with that. Uh, and I'm so glad the Connecticut people voted for our Democratic uh, Malloy. I was uh, afraid governor. if we got Foley, he'd be visiting all the time. Oh, it'd be sick, sick, it'd sick be, to see that fat ass. Um, um, I hate to get personal, but yeah, he's just horrible, horrible, horrible. Bully. Fat. Oh God. So anyway, I'm gonna let Lila uh, read. You want to read winners and losers of the week here? But I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna call Larry Dorman, uh, public affairs coordinator for Aspen Union, and we're going to talk with him tonight and see what he's. Uh, he was, he's he's kind of happy that uh, Connecticut won, but yeah, it's a little discerned that that we they got kind of slumped uh, throughout the nation. But uh, well, you know. I mean, it shows what a good job Connecticut workers did. Yeah, you had to get the word out. In their regular work uh, weekly feature, they talk about the winners and losers in the struggle for workers' rights. The winners. Oakland and San Ledro recycling workers after a week-long strike that led to the low-wage workers winning a contract guaranteeing living wages and affordable health insurance. Runner-up, Arthur King III, the winner of the 2014 U.S. National Boilermaker Apprenticeship Competition. Loser, fast-track supporters in Congress who are planning a sneak attack during the lame duck session while everyone else is focused on the election, and runner-up Cornerstone Janitorial Services for allegedly underpaying and exploiting undocumented workers. Yeah, that sucks. So, you give us... I must be exhausted. He's been out every day since... uh, So hopefully we'll get a hold of him. They might be having a celebration after all of You've reached the voicemail of Larry Dorman, Council for Public Affairs. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Larry, it's the L.A. Steel Show. Yeah, it's Leo and Lila. You're supposed to be available at this point, so uh, give us a call. Give us a call. Let us And uh, call us at, uh, let's see, 646-915-9505 as soon as you're available, okay? Give them a call again. All right. 646-915-9505, okay? All right. And we'll wait for your call. 
let's see, uh, is that, is well, that, that no, that's, yeah, well, that's, that's the, yeah. so he, he might be, you know how cell phones work sometimes, yeah. I'm sure he'll, he'll either call us or we'll get back to him. Yeah. In the so, meantime, uh, what else do we have? Well, we got a lot of stuff because uh, you know a lot of stuff happened. We felt we felt really 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 bad for the unions because man, you know when you when you. What did you do? <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Okay. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I guess I must have leaned on something. Knocked, knocked Foley out, I thought, on that one. He, 
He did. And, you know, I mean, I, I think toward the end of the campaign, Foley just became like too easy to beat up, you know? <laughs> That's true. Foley looked like a schmuck. I'll tell you after that, uh, he just, he just was like, uh, you know, he, he I, I don't know. He, he was just a tired old sack of bones, you know, it was like uh, after that. Because yeah, Malloy like, just came back and, and knocked him out and hit him. And, and I, I think Malloy just, well, Malloy was Malloy. He's aggressive. He's got to stay aggressive, and that's his nature, you know. And, uh, you know, he, he took a lot of crap from Foley. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. It always it always cracks me up that, that Foley and, and Republicans always start crying whenever they get hit. But they don't mind hitting uh, anybody else, you know. But the minute they hit, they say, oh, that wasn't fair. You've been so negative, you know. And uh, <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny. But I was glad. Well, I, I thought that was a very strong debate, you know. Yeah. So. See, he started with a very strong debate, his first one, which you didn't see, Lil, which I watched. Which I thought, yeah, I did. I did. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. It yeah, was, he, ex- he, was he, excellent. Yeah, he and went then he, And then yeah. he... he Softened up a bit in the second one, yeah. and but this last one was very strong, and it he really revealed, I thought that um, that Foley really didn't have any plans. I mean, there was there was nothing that he could come out with that was really solid, and I'm sure that swayed a lot of the independents. Yes. Uh, what, what do you think, Larry? I think, well, I, I want to get back to the debate, actually, because, I, I mean, I, what I think you saw, what happened during the campaign was, um, and, and I give Malloy a lot of credit for it, he really went after, I thought he did go, I thought he was aggressive, he was forceful, uh, went for the juggler, but I I think we really had, whatever the whatever Malloy's faults are, I think he really did have in this race two candidates of diametrically opposed visions for Connecticut. And, um, you know, Foley is the one truly that, you know, it's almost a cliche now, but he's the 1%. You know, this is a guy who shut down factories, uh, you know, his investments closed down plants, made $40 million, uh while workers were laid off, um, you know, and jobs got offshored and he just had no clue and he rides around in yachts and um he has no clue what people actually have to do to get by on a daily basis and you know to his credit Malloy does and i think he exploited that to great advantage so i think that made a big difference and i think i think those ads too i i have to say those ads that last one where we gave everybody a 10 percent a 10 cent raise and then took took 40 million bucks you know, when he sold the company. That makes an impact Yeah, it makes people. an impact on people, you know. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it it was true. And, uh, but I felt, I don't know, I, I felt vindicated that Malloy won and that, and that fully got, 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 you know, got whatever it was. But I really, really shuddered when I saw the, when I saw the national elections. Why did you feel? Um, well... I mean, Were you expecting sh- that, or? Oh, yeah, uh, it's certainly not surprised. I mean, only because the the forecast seemed to be. There's one guy in particular who I follow, Nate Silver. You know, five thirty eight. Um, he is really spot on with a lot of his uh, forecasting. Um, he goes beyond and a little deeper than a lot of the pollsters do. Um, I mean, I've lost my capacity. I, I don't want to come off sounding, you know, snarky here like I knew this was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. But I've just, I've stopped being surprised. Because um, really what happened yesterday was that the people, many of the the very people who drove, helped drive this country into a ditch um, got reelected and took control of the Senate and the House of Representatives. So I just, I'm just no longer surprised anymore. Am I disappointed? Yes. Am I troubled? Am I alarmed? Am I scared? Uh, all of the above. But, uh, you know, what what's prompting people to vote the way they're voting is beyond me right now. What did you, what did you think of the election of that pig castrating uh, uh, senator? From Iowa. From Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's what I'm talking about. Fighting I mean, the hell out of you. You know, you get these. 
these morons who are, you know, winning office with a radical agenda. It's it's the it's the philosophy, it's the extremist philosophy that got this country into a lot of trouble. And now they're in control. And the Democrats, quite frankly, uh, have to bear some of the blame. They um, have not found a way to counter this stuff. They've gotten away from, uh, you know, embracing what the uh, unions stand for and what other groups stand for. And so to a certain degree, they may have brought some of this upon themselves. I mean, there's no way we should be in this position that we're talking about tonight with Mitch McConnell you know, leading uh, the Senate. I just this this shouldn't be happening in this country. No, I I don't think so either. But it's it's like it's like I I don't know. We were listening. Trump uh, even said we played a speech tonight that they voted for. There was a referendum there. There was uh, uh, people wanted a change in the economy, and he said that's what happened. But. Yeah, and I don't know that I, I – I think that's an oversimplification, though. I, I really do. I, and I don't pretend to know what the answers are. I'm just really puzzled by what's going on when, again, you know, the, the, the extremists that have put this country – have made this mess so much worse um, are given control of both chambers of Congress. And you have uh, some of these crazies like the nut job in Iowa – um, you know, this becomes inexplicable because we have people voting against their own economic interests, quite frankly. Um, you know, we really have we got problems. I think that um, it just goes to show you what a good job you guys have done in Connecticut. You obviously got the message out. Well, people the, yeah. obviously heard the message, thought about it, and voted the correct way. And, and well, also, and thank you for I saying mean, I that. Think, I think a lot of states do, uh, where where there's congressional races, some union people really work really hard. There, but boy, I'll tell you this. I I think you guys did a good job in Connecticut. There must thank you, thank you. What a big push! And I think we did too. I think we did too. And I, and I think, yeah. Well, I I think part of what we did, at least in Connecticut, is. Um, well, you know, look, we have never said Malloy is, is wonderful and great. Um, he's got a lot of imperfections. Um, yeah. What we told our members is, you know, obviously um, voting is a personal choice, but vote for candidates who support your pay, your retirement, and your health care. <laughs> and, you know, and if candidates aren't willing to make that commitment, then we shouldn't be supporting them. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to honor that commitment uniformly, and right. but that means we'll also be ready to fight them when they back off on um what they say they would do. So, um, you know, Connecticut is like a sore thumb compared to everything else, you know, for the Republicans. So I think what we accomplished was pretty significant. We kept control of both chambers of the House. We reelected a governor. You know, Scott Walker won pretty easily in um, Indiana, Rick Snyder in Michigan, uh, 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 Rick Scott in uh, Florida. You know, some real bad guys. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's that that really did that that these guys could 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 walk could cakewalk through that election, you know, uh, when when they were, were such horrible people. But uh, you know the the unions couldn't beat those guys. You know they they, they just you know. Well, I think you you. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't I don't understand that that the the Republican stronghold in this election. I, it just it just uh, floored me. I it really did. Well, I think getting the message out in a simple way that people can understand and saying it over and over again is very helpful. And yeah, I do you too. You said it on paper, you said it in videos, you said it in speeches, and you you know sent things out to union members. People worked hard to get these people elected, and I think it's great. And I'm, Thank you. I'm, Thank you. I, I wish the Democrats would do that nationally, though. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, really. really good. I, I don't understand why they didn't. And, and I don't understand, I, I just don't understand the the, um, the 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 mindset, you know, of, of how everybody voted for these Republicans. Who, well, I, I don't, but, you know, they, I, I don't know. They, 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 the critique has been that they voted against Obama, and I, and I guess that must be it. They voted against the Obama and agenda, uh, agenda and the gridlock and blah blah blah. But the gridlock was also caused by the Republican Party. You know, yeah, they don't, they don't understand that. 
that. And they the voters seem to quickly forget what happened under the Bush administration. Every the people, single, every single Republican administration has caused massive depressions, recessions, economic nightmares, uh, wars, and everything else under the under Republican administrations and Republican Congresses. And I, I just can't understand how people forget this, you know? Uh, you know uh, it just, yeah. You just hit your – well, you guys just identified so many of the problems. Um, you know, the the very champions of gridlock, you know, being put in power um, for all of his failures. What are the, you know, Obama's championed a minimal wage increase. He's championed uh, expanding and making health care more affordable. Um and you know, it just maybe there's a, a problem with institutionally with the Democratic Party not willing to get out there and really uh, be aggressive in, in in you know championing it. You know, we we kind of got a gift in Connecticut, right? We got this guy who symbolizes everything that's wrong with the one percent, pretending he could run for office and win and, and solve Connecticut's problems. And you know, um, that I'd like to think this is a blueprint for how we need to behave nationally, because I, I know you guys get frustrated with, you know, very uh, weak-kneed Democrats who don't want to champion the causes of the working class. That's right. You know, and you wonder if they really believe in the message so that when they get down to Washington, they just sit back and enjoy it. They're not, they really well, don't just, believe. You know, go go with the flow of corporate uh, greed, you know, like, here, Charlie, yeah. Here, uh, here, uh, Murphy, or here, whatever. You know, here's a hundred thousand to your campaign. Uh, yeah. You know, vote this yeah. way. You know. You just don't. You <laughs> and just look, don't. they're both the. Uh, yeah, and the White House is blaming. Uh, you know, uh, the Democrat Senate, the Senate Democrats, the Senate Democrats blame the White House, and you know, it's like no, you know, I just know. airing their dirty laundry. And meanwhile, the other guys are very disciplined. They don't do that. folks like us are talking about it, but the people in power aren't listening. And we need to, you know, we need to start developing solutions um, so that these people are actually championing the working class. You know, we, we have taken a walk on the working class. We've taken a walk on the idea of people having a decent wage, health care, uh, pension, uh, if they want to have a union, the right to vote for that union without intimidation. You know, these things are falling by the wayside. And... Um, 
you know, and, and if, if the Democrats want to keep getting uh, compromised by those same interests you're talking about, um, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Who's going to stand up for what's right? Who's going to stand up for the dignity of work and workers? I, I don't know, but I, I certainly don't intend to, you know, be on the sidelines watching it happen. I don't know. What, how do you feel about this, Larry? This was a clarion call to the Democratic Party, to the people that are, or and, and to the liberals. And and and, in the, and and I have to say, the independents uh, were the ones that 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 elected Malloy in this in this uh, election. You know, and uh, I I'm an independent. I always have been since I was 18. But you mm-hmm. know, uh, but I think Malloy. Uh, you know, it was a deadlock between Democrats and Republicans there, and the independents were the ones that, that pulled this um, the, the, this election for Malloy, all right? Uh, but I, I, I really, really, really believe that this, was, uh, that this election was uh, a call to uh, all, I don't know if you can say Democrats, but to all liberal-leaning um, uh, Americans to wake the hell up and not be passive and not be uh, cynical and you know realize you, you're you're in for a serious serious uh, fight for the next two or three years or four years and um, you know this may wind up into uh, just, I mean whatever happens I think we're going to see a serious uh, 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 revolutionary uh, uh, surge. Okay, in this country, and uh, you know, similar to what happened during the Bush years, but even more so now because I, I think, unless the, uh, I mean, well, I, nobody, I mean, I think there was what a, a 19% approval rating of, of Congress, all right, this this year, all right, and even though even with a 19% approval rating of the entire Congress, they still voted in uh, Republicans, right. so it didn't make much sense to me. But, no, uh, no, 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 no. But you know, they were the ones that deadlocked everything. But and I get, time, and again, though, I you know, what, but what troubles me, and I got to jump in though, is that you know what we're talking about, and I think we're in agreement, is that so people say they're tired of the gridlock, they're tired of this, they're tired of that, but there are too many people who are you know what I would consider working and middle class people who are voting against their economic interest. You know, they're voting for Koch brother, you know, funded candidates. They're voting for people who want to strip workers uh, of their rights, who want to give all the money to the rich guys and the corporations. And that's what that's what I'm having trouble with. Well, what I find, well, I find, well, I'll tell you why. Well, I find that I know I know people that vote that way. And I find that they're attracted by the things that the Republicans wave in front of them. Like the first thing that Foley waved in front of people was I'm gonna cut your taxes. And that and you know and that and that really appeals to people. And then um you know he he talks about well, you know, I'm going to fix education. But of course they they never ask anything beyond that. They never find out what the plan is, if you're going to cut taxes, you know, I had this discussion with someone whose husband is actually a state worker, and I said, I said who, who is a blue-collar Republican, by the way, I think, um, who, who said to me that, um, well, she, she was going to vote for Foley, and I said, because he was going to cut some taxes, and I said to her, well, how do you think the state is going to run money? Going to run if you don't have money and you cut taxes, and you're not going to raise the taxes on the wealthy, and you're going to get a small tax deduction? How do you how do you think they're going to raise the money? And she just looked at me and I said, the first person you'll probably get rid of is someone like your husband, who is a mid-level right. government employee. Exactly. And exactly. She was horrified. What do you yeah. mean they're going to get rid of him? I said those are the people they get rid of. They get rid of people in schools. They get rid of people, you know, first responders. Those are the people that go. You don't have any services. I know it was a big thing on TV when uh, 
um, Foley talked about not raising taxes and Malloy lied and all that kind of thing. What a terrible human being he was because he lied. I said, you know, quite frankly, he didn't. I didn't like having my taxes raised at all. I whined and cried with the best of them. Believe me. But I mean, the truth <laughs> was laying people off. And if you're if you're a state employee, other you're one of the first people to be threatened by a Republican. But you know they they I I found well, that spot people, on. Yeah. They don't spot hear on. that. No, they don't yeah, they're phone deaf. On the chopping block. You know? They hear they they think of those reduced that they're going to get their taxes <laughs> reduced. What they don't realize is they're not the top one percent. You know, no, they're not the wealthy. <laughs> they're, they're they're the they're the. They're they're, they're going to bear the brunt of the all those cuts. They're the expendable. Yeah. Yeah. They we're we're just the collateral damage in the way to the top for the one percent. That's how that's how mm-hmm. I see myself when someone like that gets elected. You know, and yep. you yep. If your neighbor loses their job, or you know the the you fireman gets laid job. off, or yeah. you lose your job. You know they don't really think too much about you. You're just in their way for their agenda. Collateral damage. Then, you know, that's what they say when they drop a bomb on somebody over in Afghanistan. Well, I feel that way <laughs> when I when I get those <laughs> bombs dropped on me. Anyway, I talked uh, about I like Well said. Well said. Hey, I got to fly. I apologize. This was fun. No, You're that's quite all right. And I, ho- I hope all the guys down there at, at Council 4 Give themselves a deserved pat on the back yeah. for all their hard work. There you guys. Thanks, and um, I appreciate it. And, you know, I, and seriously, I'm going to say to Sal, uh, my boss, tomorrow, that uh, you guys said that our, our program may have been a template for the for the nation, and that he's going to be really glad to hear that. Well, good. Well, we seriously mean it. I'm very, I'm very proud yeah. to be associated with Council 4 and all Absolutely. the hard work you Absolutely. do. Good, good. Well, thank you so much, guys. All right. Good night. Good. Talk to you in a month. See ya. Good night, guys. And uh, that was Larry Dorman and Council 4 uh, at Ashley Union. And, man, I'll tell you, those guys guys have put put a lot of... I think since September, at least, or the... Yeah, since Labor Day. Oh, yeah. uh, Larry been on um, every month, and he was... Just he would he would tell me about his he would yeah. tell us about his week where he was and what he was doing, and I mean he and he's just one person in that union. He's, he's their public relations And guy. He's, he's always everywhere. I think they did a great I'm job. Fascinating what, what they've been able to do, and I and I appreciate them so much that they they're saving that middle class, you know. And, I mean, no. other states really can't say that. I mean, no, Lord. no, of course not. They can't. They, they just. I'm cannot. sure they worked hard too. Yeah, well, they did. But you know, overall, it's, just, it's nice to be successful when you work hard. It doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. You know. No. Yeah. But we we want to thank him and want to thank uh, you asked me for for being with us and uh, being our. Our, our sponsor our, our here. Our our buddies for the last uh, number of years, and uh, have been tremendous. Uh, oh, what yeah. I wanted to do tonight, what I wanted to do is bring about uh, some. Uh, we have uh, a few more other things. other interests here. Uh, we might want to go to a quick music break since we do. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good idea. Well, we just have to pull up a few other articles. A few articles. Excuse me. A few other things. So we'll be right back after this uh, music uh, break. Yeah.
was there are no more felonies for simple drug possession in California. Oh, that's good. California voters uh, just vote, uh, approved Proposition 47, and that is an important step toward ending mass incarceration and the war on drugs. Good. So let's see what that's about. That's exciting. Um, Passage of Proposition 47 will spare thousands from unnecessary time behind bars and save billions of taxpayer dollars. Overwhelming support uh, sends powerful national message. Today, California voters took a significant step toward ending mass incarceration and a war on drugs by approving Proposition 47. On the heels of a reforming the state's three-strikes law in 2012 election, Californians overwhelmingly voted to change Six low-level nonviolent offenses, including simple drug possession, from felonies to misdemeanors. The overwhelming support for this reform sends a powerful message nationally, demonstrating that voters are not just ready but eager to reduce prison populations in ways that can enhance uh, public safety. Um, Proposition 47 has the potential to drastically reduce the number of people in state prisons and county jails who don't need to be there for reasons of either justice or safety by making 20,000 current people eligible for resentencing and reducing emissions, admissions by 40 to 60,000 every year. That's amazing. But anyway, um, but uh, Proposition 47 does not specifically address marijuana, people with felony records for marijuana possession, which is responsible because possession of marijuana concentrates can be charged as a felony under current law, would be eligible to be resentenced and can also file a petition to expunge or clear their records. That's good news. <laughs> Don't you think? I think that's good news. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think it's good news. Um, Hillary Clinton might feel like hiding her face in shame after what Rand Paul just masterfully exposed for the whole Internet to see. Wow. Well, what is that? Rand Paul's attack on Hillary Clinton? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I think know. he's a, a nut, nut job. I think he's a nut job, personally. But yeah. let, let's see what he did. Yeah. Rand Paul takes six shots at Hillary Clinton with six images. As Western, as Western journalism told you earlier on Wednesday, almost all high-profile Democratic candidates for whom Hillary Clinton campaigned over the last few months were defeated in the midterm elections. Some were soundly defeated. In fact, some of those Clinton losers had been expected to win. On his Facebook page, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul is thought to be seriously, con oh my God, a run for the White House in two years, was anything but serious as he poked fun at the fact that Hillary Clinton's presence on the campaign trail seemed to be something of a kiss of death in many cases. Hmm. So, in so fact, Paul Page introduced a hashtag called Hillary's Losers, as well as six colorless caption photos reminding visitors of the former Secretaries of State Association with the now defeated Democrats. So, Hillary Losers. I don't even know who I that know is. That is. That. I don't know who that is. I don't know who any of these people are. No. That's that's how little I remember. <laughs> we don't recognize any of these people. So anyway, and he doesn't name them. So it's like, hey, screw you, right? So, so much for that. Well, typical of Rand Paul. Oh, here they are. Uh, no, where oh are no, they? I guess oh, not. He, doesn't, he doesn't even name them. So, so what? But, you know, it's typical of Rand Paul. He's, he's an insane guy. He really is. I can't believe he's contemplating yeah, a run him. for the White House. Well, what bothers me scary. so much about him, he didn't even support his own father. He, he supported no. Romney, you know, in that election. Five hilariously stupid reactions by liberals in the media after last night. I don't know what that is, but I'll, I have to laugh. Let's see what this says. Uh... Tom Brokaw laughably claimed no big ideological win for GOP. MSNBC hosts panic on midterms. I don't know what's good news, what, what good news would be. 
world crumbles in on the Dems, ABC clings to war on women. Okay. There you have it, folks. Pure liberal media will see. Okay, well. Uh, it's not much of anything. Much. Very shallow, kind of. Yeah, just this stupid Republican shit that's, you know, trying to gloat. But, you know, the, the thing that bothers me so much isn't so much that, uh, I, you know, I, I feel sorry that uh, we had to go to that extent. But. Yeah. I really do. Two riders barrel down this water slide at once. Uh. Oh, this, this is kind of scary. Drug makers are pushing for indemnity for fast-track Ebola vaccines. So that means they can, uh, while they're trying out the vaccine on people, if there's any repercussions from that, you can't sue them. That's kind of scary. Well, you can't sue any drug company, and you can't sue. Uh, you can't even sue Monsanto. Oh, I know you can't sue Monsanto. According to the World Health Organization, millions of doses of Ebola vaccine should be ready and available next year. Efficacy trials for two different Ebola vaccines are slated to begin in December, as reported by the Verge One. The WHO, that's the World Health Organization, says that there are no plans to begin a mass vaccination program until at least June of 2015, and then only if the growth of the epidemic justifies it. The vaccine industry has a number of hurdles to conquer before they will stand to make a fortune from the Ebola vaccine. Let's see what hurdles they have to jump over, because you know they're going to make a fortune. For starters, vaccine manufacturers are demanding indemnity against lawsuits that may arise from the use of fast-tracked Ebola vaccine. Similar to the indemnity claimed by the United Nations, whose peacemakers stand accused of causing the cholera outbreak in Haiti after the 2010 earthquake that devastated the small country. An estimated 700,000 Haitians have contracted cholera, and 8,500 have died from it since the beginning of the outbreak. While the source of the outbreak could not be conclusively determined, a group of Haitians filed a lawsuit against the UN in 2013. A lawyer for the U.S. Justice Department recently called for the case, for the case to be dismissed, saying that the UN is absolutely immune to claims of wrongdoing. This is the kind of immunity vaccine makers want as well. But indemnity might not be quite as easy to get as initially thought in this case. Can you trust government agencies and health experts to prevent a deadly pandemic? The federal government may also expect some resistance to mass vaccination programs against Ebola, considering how the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has bungled the handling of the deadly pathogens in the past and so far clumsily tripped over every Ebola hurdle placed in its path. We probably have more to fear from the federal government than the viruses themselves. Hence, when the federal government arrives at your door saying we are here to help, it's understandable why some might want to run in the other direction. We've also seen public health experts act in ways that really raise questions about their ability to give sound advice in a pandemic situation. NBC News chief medical correspondent Nancy Snyderman, for example, was exposed to Ebola while on assignment in Liberia. She and other members of her team were supposed to stay in quarantine for 21 days, but decided to take their, break their quarantine to get some takeout. Writing for KevinMD.com, uh, Bar Barbara Fakira notes, her actions for violating the quarantine are unacceptable and very disconcerting. As a medical communicator, her role is to provide accurate, credible, and trustworthy health information to the public and to demonstrate good, sound judgment. Dr. Snyderman basically showed the world that it's okay to judge the judge to dodge the rules at your own discretion. She had no regard for her role as a medical communicator. As a health professional, 
Dr. Snyderman may be confident that she posed no risk to the public, but as a medical communicator, she demonstrated disregard to any rules and made them her own. Unlike Snyderman... Yeah, why? They get something more important. I, I don't like the Snyderman. I don't care about. Well, her. I'm I mean, just saying not, that she's, she's a media whore. Well, she's yeah. being criticized. They criticize her. She's a media whore, her. which is good. Yeah, this is something I, I thought this was interesting because we only got four minutes left. Greenwald, uh, Glenn Greenwald has told him nobody should use Facebook. What do you think of that? You think Snyderman's more important? No, you? just go ahead. I think Snyderman's a whore. Doesn't matter. Okay, during a Q and A in Canada, Glenn Greenwald was asked why his colleague and NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden wasn't on any of the social media platforms. Facebook and Greenwald didn't mince words. Uh, he doesn't use Facebook because he hates Facebook, he says. As one of the worst violators of privacy in history, nobody should use Facebook. Huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading this from Facebook, actually. Greenwald did add that despite the difficulties of being the most wanted man in the world right now, he thought Snowden would be an engaging presence on Twitter should he choose to go in that direction. Snowden practically lives his life online these days. He added that actually before all of this happened, before anyone knew Edward Snowden, it's what he did uh, anyways. And ironically, uh, his Russian exiles has enabled Snowden to engage in public life and continue speaking uh, about American mass surveillance rather than being condemned to this life of dankness and dark misery. Uh, he also, he, he became, uh, he's become a real important voice in debate where he uh, helped to catalyze, and he's really happy about it. Uh, but he says, don't use Facebook. It's the worst thing you can possibly do. What do you think of that? What's his opinion? He's a spy guy, you know. You want to read this one? Election Day Scandal. Let's see what it is. Explosive Election Day Scandal in Toss-Up State. With just hours until the polls close in the very tight New Hampshire U.S. Senate race, newly revealed memos indicate incumbent Democrats Gene Sheehan was in direct communication with one of Obama's most most trusted IRS officials about increasing the agency's security, no, scrutiny of conservative organizations applying for tax-exempt status. And the chairwoman of New Hampshire Republican Party, New Hampshire's Republican Party, says the news is reverberating across the Greenest State. People are talking about it all over the state, of course. It's shocking to see that our own United States Senator, Jean Shaheen, engaged in this sort of behavior using a federal agency, the IRS, to target American citizens for their political beliefs, said New Hampshire GOP Chairwoman Jennifer Horn. We haven't seen anything like this, as you know, since the Nixon era. It's shocking and disappointing to all of us here in New Hampshire. The memos obtained by the Dallas Callers show that Shaheen was in direct contact with IRS Chief Counsel William J. Wilkins, who has previously been labeled the President's Man of the IRS. It appears the contact started in March 2012 when Shaheen wrote to Wilkins on behalf of a small group of Democratic senators, including Chuck Schumer of New York and Al Franken of Minnesota. In the letter, Shaheen aggressively urged Wilkins and others of the IRS to change the standards by which groups self-identifying as social welfare organizations would be judged for tax-exempt status. According to the Daily Call, as the senator calls for setting limits on political spending for the groups and mandating that a majority of total spending must be on non-political matters. She also wanted the IRS to get much more detailed information about how the groups were financed and place restrictions on how much donations to the organizations could be written off. Well, if they're supposed to be helping people, hey, yeah, really, and they turn out to be political dumping organization. money into political political organizations, I think it's right that well, they should be like looked those, at. Those groups that we saw uh, uh, in Connecticut, all those all those groups that were. Mm -hmm. You know, all 
these negative ads. Money was pouring yeah. into these yeah. candidates. And they were against Foley and against Malloy, but they were independent groups that, that, didn't, that said they didn't. And you don't even. And you don't. You can't find out where that money comes from no, either. You don't no, they're, know they're who's like, behind them. Somebody, they have protection. Yeah, I don't think that's ad. right. I don't either. I, I don't. I don't. I'm think sorry. That's right. I'm not outraged at this at all. I think they should be looked at. I really do. I, I, I don't think do. it's right. Yeah, you got to know. Sorry. Any, anybody can throw money at somebody. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, if they want to throw money, I want to know where it's from. I don't think they should be throwing it. I think we should have oh. campaign financing. Did you know uh, an 18-year-old girl just won an election? Lives the trashing Sarah Blair, an 18-year-old. Yeah. 18-year-old girl just won an election. Uh, conservative. Sarah Blair, an 18-year-old Republican, had just won a seat in the West Virginia legislature. Later. Wow. Yeah. A West Virginia University freshman who did most of her campaigning out of her dorm room <laughs> became the youngest state lawmaker in the nation wow. Tuesday. Republican Sarah Blair, a fiscally conservative 18-year-old, will represent a small district in Western Virginia's Eastern Panhandle about one and a half hours outside of Washington, D.C. I wonder if she's from Charlestown or Martinsburg or one of those. Uh-huh. Yeah, West Virginia's Eastern Panhandle, about one and a half hours outside Washington, D.C., after defeating her, defeating her Democratic uh-huh. opponent, 63%. Wow, she slaughtered her. I'm surprised because a lot of the people that live out there commute to Washington and they could be government workers. Uh-huh. According to the Associated Press, a third candidate got 7% of the vote. In a statement, Ms. Blair thanked her supporters and family, as well as her opponents, for running a positive campaign. History has been made tonight in West Virginia, and while I am proud of all that we have accomplished together, it is the future of this state that is now my singular focus, she said. Ms. Blair campaigned on a pledge to work to reduce certain taxes on businesses, and she also holds anti-abortion and pro-gun positions. She defeated Democratic Lane Deal, a 44-year-old Martinsburg attorney whose top priorities included improving secondary education and solving the state's drug epidemic. How awesome is <laughs> that? That's amazing. Well, let me tell you, though, 18. the guy can't, the, her opponent, he's got it right. That section of West, West Virginia is being destroyed by drugs. Because when I when I talk to my daughter who lives in D.C. about um, maybe relocating to the, that part of the country, she said you don't want to live there because the, the drugs are such a problem in that area. Well, it says here, what top priorities including improving secondary education, solving the that was her uh, opponent. The drug that you have done. That was her opponent. Not, she's not she interested. Won. My God, she's yeah. still won by 63%. Well, they're all on drugs. What do you think? <laughs> 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 anyway, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Thank, thank uh, Larry Doran. Now, that was that tongue-in-cheek, I have to Yeah, say. but anyway, it's probably true. I mean, a 16 year, an 18-year-old girl won. You know, that's amazing. And, and her issues are uh, restricting abortion and, and letting people have Pro-gun. guns. Yeah. Yes, well, so. you know, that's, 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 what the, that's what it takes, I guess. I guess so. Well, good night, folks. Good night, everybody. And, uh, you know, join us tomorrow night when we talk about uh, transdimensional travel. <laughs> good night, everyone.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.